Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. You guys ready to dig into the Word? All right. Grab your Bibles, notebooks, pens, paper. Uh, You can text, uh, not OLC notes anymore, but you can text notes to the number that's up on your screen. I'm messing you up, Lane. I apologize. There you go. It's a new number. Uh, If you have already signed up for this, you received those notes this morning. How many of you received it automatically this morning? That's kind of fun, huh? Didn't even have to do anything. They just came right to you. I tried to do it in enough time that if you get it, you go, oh, church. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) Oh, that thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, But you could text notes to this number and you'll be added to that list to now receive them automatically from here on out uh, every Sunday when we get to do that. Um, We are uh, coming up on the last week. We're starting the last week of 21 days of prayer and fasting. How many have enjoyed this time of prayer and how many have enjoyed fasting? Yeah, right. Said, yeah, yeah. Fasting is very, uh, is very interesting because it's one of these spiritual disciplines that everyone's like, oh, fasting, fasting. But I read this book by Richard Foster called The, the Celebration of Discipline. And in it, he said this about fasting, and I absolutely love this. He said that fasting is not about just what you give up. Fasting is actually feasting. And I thought about that, and it really is. Because in fasting, what do you do? You are giving up something in order to pursue, pursue, to feed on, to be with, to receive the nourishment and the strength from God. It's a really, really cool opportunity. As we as a church step into these, this last week of prayer, um, starting tomorrow, we're gonna do a three-day fast as a church. I'm gonna invite everybody into this. Uh, if you've done, if you fasted before and you've had that, you know what this is like. If you've never fasted before, um, what fasting simply is is it, it, it's something that you pick in order to set aside, and rather than spending time on that, you spend time pursuing God. Right? A lot of times, it's with food and being able to set meals or types of food or whatever it is aside to be able to seek the Lord during those times. Um, there's also media. In today's 21st century, I tell you one of the most powerful fasts that you can do is a media fast. Turn off the TV, turn off your phone, and then sit there and try to figure out what to do with your life. You know, what do, what do I do? I forget. How do I have a conversation, right? Uh, they've inundated us. One of the most powerful fasts we could do is put those things away and instead of reaching for, oh, this is, gonna, this is gonna be so powerful. Instead of reaching for your phone, reach for your Bible. Oh, that'll preach. I'm sorry, I just had to do it. But it is that. It's instead of reaching for some of these other things, instead we pause and we say, God, I'm going after you. I'm going after your heart. I wanna invite all of us into these next three days in a fast of some kind. There's a bunch of ideas in the Church Center app or online that you can look at. But I would encourage you to be able to do this. My son, I was so proud of my son the other day, Dustin. He goes, Dad, I think I'm going to fast a whole day of meals. To which I was like, wow, okay. Um, Not recommended, right? So we, we talked about it and we're like, you know, that's not necessarily for kids, the healthiest thing and, you know, all this. For me, it's not the healthiest thing. Um, 
it is healthy, definitely, yeah. But, uh, but we were talking about it, and then he goes, Dad, Dad, I know what I'm going to do. I am going to fast snacks. I was like, genius. I, that kid, if there's like, I, I tell you what, like there's, there's Jesus, his mom and dad, and snacks, and they're right there, right? But he was like, I'm going to fast snacks. And boy, I tell you what, it's going to be an interesting couple days. So I just tell you that right now. So he goes, dad, I'm going to start yesterday. Dad, I'm going to start today. Okay. Sounds good, buddy. Mid-morning snack comes. Ah, maybe I'll start this afternoon. All right, buddy. Sounds good. This is between you and Jesus. No, no condemnation. Afternoon. Ah, maybe I'll start tomorrow. So anyway, we're working with him on that, but, um, I would encourage you, find something that you can do during this fasting season to step into it. How many would be interested in saying, yep, we'll step into it. We'll find something over these next three days. We're going to dig into it together. Awesome. Fantastic. The last of our prayer nights will be on Wednesday night, so we'll break the fast that night. Um, I don't know how. You'll probably break it before you come. Not like we're going to have a potluck, although that would be fun. Prayer and potluck. Ooh, that might be something kind of fun. Anyway, let me think about it. I can't make decisions. I have learned my lesson about saying things and making decisions from the pulpit. And then my wife goes, hey, what's your contingency plan for when there's no snow and you can't go sledding? Oh, yeah, right. I got to come up with that. So <laughs> I'm not saying anything. But anyway, there we go. Uh, okay, so that's prayer and fasting over this next week. It is going to be uh, fantastic. Um, today, we're going to start a, a talk here for the next couple of weeks. Ellie's going to share next week, and um, I don't know how long this is going to go, but it's going to go for a few weeks here. And we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And the name of this, this series is just simply Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Um, there's something that I, that I recognize is that we are spirit-filled people who are absolutely dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit to live. Um, now, now, when I say Holy Spirit, I know that there's already all kinds of thoughts and connotations that go through people's minds, and because and, everybody has different experiences with the Holy Spirit. So you even say the word Holy Spirit, and some people are like, ooh, looking for gold dust, you know, like... Where's the, where's the feathers, right? And, or people are like, yes, let's go. I recognize because of experiences that people have had in life that the Holy Spirit, it has a different kind of an understanding. But, but, but I want to say this today. I, I really believe this. I believe that it's actually grieved the heart of the Holy Spirit to have his name misrepresented the way that it has been. Because I tell you what, his name has gotten such a bad rap. And not because it's the Holy Spirit, but it's people. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. Look at the person next to you say you're weird. Now look at the person next to you on the other side and say, but I still love you. Now look back at the other person and say, and I still love you. The Holy Spirit is not weird. When we talked in our vision launching into this fall, we talked about three words. We talked about the word equip. We talked about the word empower, and we talked about the word release, and how this was our vision for 2024. This year, we're, we're, we're doing a lot behind the scenes to set up this idea of equipping, what it means to be equipped in 
the word so that the saints can be equipped for the work of ministry so that we can actually walk out full of the word, full of understanding to grow in our knowledge of those things to be ready for what God wants to use us for. But I recognize that the equipping is only good if it is paired with an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You can be equipped out the nose, but if you do not have the life and the strength of the Holy Spirit, it's just information and it goes dead. They need to go hand in hand. It's the equipping and the empowering that allows you to be released and to be used by God. And so we're going to dig into this for a little bit today. And and the goal of what I want to do today is I want to bring a biblical definition to who the Holy Spirit is. I just want to go back to the Bible today. Who does the Bible say that the Holy Spirit is? How many think that that would be a good idea? Let's look at the Bible and let's find out about who the Holy Spirit is. And I could tell you that as I started to dig in even more and, and, and started to learn more, and he's amazing. He's incredible. Like, I'm, I'm giving a spoiler here because I haven't got there in my notes yet. But the Holy Spirit, newsflash, is the Spirit of God that lives in you. The same God that spoke and created the universe. The same God that knit you together in your mother's womb. The same God that was here as Jesus in human form and touched people and there was healing and there was miracles that took place and there were signs and wonders released out of his hand. Even just the fringe of his garment Someone would come up and the lady would touch his garment, just his garment. And power went out and touched that lady's life. That same power is in you. Whoa. I think, though, because the Holy Spirit has gotten such a negative rap and has been so confusing, we as believers have not learned what it is to actually tap into a full spirit-filled life to live out the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through us. It comes in moments. It comes in pockets. I've had moments, maybe you've had these, where I pray for somebody who's sick and I see them healed. But that doesn't happen every time. But I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal who he is to us so that we can be further empowered by who he is as we live our life. This is so, so key for us. So some biblical context about who the Holy Spirit is today. The Holy Spirit, number one, is an equal part of the eternal Godhead. An equal part of the eternal Godhead. As you look back and as you look through Scripture, you see this idea of the Trinity. The Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three distinct parts of one being, of God. And they all do specific things, and they all have certain purposes and all this. But when we talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not just some subclass spirit that was created later down the road to kind of give you a little bit of power to live so that hopefully you can just make it through life. No, the Spirit of God resides as an equal part of the eternal Godhead. Listen to this, Genesis 1. And the earth was a formless and desolate emptiness, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the what? The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The Holy Spirit, 
existed at creation, present at creation, the very spirit of God. So for us, the first thing that we need to come back to is when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the spirit of God. We're talking about the, that power that resides there. It's not some subclass created thing. No, it is the spirit of God. The second thing to remember for us is this, is that the fullness of the Holy Spirit is for today. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is for today. The same power that was present in the book of Acts, that moved and there were miracles and signs of wonders that we see, that same power is present today. The Holy Spirit's power didn't like run out. It was really strong in Acts and then now, eh. No, it's just as strong today as ever. He hasn't changed. Hebrews 13 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, okay? So taking what we just talked about, Jesus Christ is part of the Godhead as God the Father and as the Holy Spirit, meaning that God the Father is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm really grateful about the fullness of the Holy Spirit being present in our lives today because I recognize as I look around, we actually need the Holy Spirit today more than ever before. Like, like the world we live in is messed up. Have you noticed this? Like, like we need help. <laughs> I wake up on Monday morning and I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> Holy Spirit, you better come. <laughs> I need you. We live in a, 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 a world that we desperately need the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is actually the one who gives us counsel and instruction as we navigate into the last days. In the book of Revelation, chapters two and three, Jesus writes seven letters to seven different churches. And he admonishes them, he encourages them, he challenges them. They're awesome. We're actually gonna spend some time going through these letters because they are so powerful and there's so much that we can get out of them. But there's a refrain that exists at the end of each one of these letters to these churches. And the refrain is this, in Revelation 2.7, we see it the first time. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The Spirit is the one that speaks to the church. The Spirit is the one who speaks to us. The Spirit is the one who leads us and guides us and gives us the power and the ability to live out this life in the last days. You see, as we get closer to the end times, life is going to get a lot crazier. Things are going to get a lot more confusing. There's going to be a lot more unrest. Like, like all of these things that happen, when, when, when the Bible talks about the end times, it talks about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and all this. And then what does it say? Oh, those are just birthing pains. Like, you're not even there yet. Oh, so that tells me it's going to get a lot worse. Wow, okay. Good thing we have the Holy Spirit. Man, I'm so thankful that he sent the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't stand a chance without, but with it, I got every chance in the world. It's more than just a chance. It's a security in what will happen. The third thing to remember about this is that the Holy Spirit is for you. The Holy Spirit is for you. See, there are certain kinds of belief systems that say that Holy Spirit is just for pastors. 
I have the Holy Spirit, and I will impart it to you. I will get the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, and I will tell you what he said to me for you. Or that the Holy Spirit is just for high-level Christians. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what a high-level Christian is. Last time I checked, we're all sinners. Last time I checked, we all mess up. Last time I checked, we're all people that are full of faith one minute and lack every bit of faith the next minute. Last I checked, we're all people who need the salvation and the saving of Jesus Christ in our lives. Last I checked, we're all the same in the fact that it's faith in Jesus that saves us, not how good or how much Bible education and training we've had. You don't get the Holy Spirit when you graduate from Bible college. When you give your life to Christ and you ask him into your heart, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit. I say that, Ellie and I talk about this to the kids all the time. Not only do we all have the Holy Spirit, but guess who else has the same Holy Spirit? Our kids. There's no junior Holy Spirit. It doesn't exist. It's the same Spirit resides in our kids as it resides in us. The Holy Spirit is to the church who Jesus was to the disciples. Think about this for a second. Jesus... God submitted himself to the limitations of human form for a purpose because he had to fully carry everything that we were as humanity onto the cross. So he submitted himself under this place that he walked in this. Jesus, for three years, spent his time with 12 dudes and he poured everything out into them. He gave them everything that he possibly could in that time. But Jesus, because, not because he as God was limited, but because he submitted himself to the limitations of a human form, that was his focus. And then when he gets ready to go back to heaven, he says this in John 16, I tell you the truth, it is for your advantage that I'm leaving. What? For if I don't leave, the helper, the Holy Spirit, won't come to you. But if I go, then I'm going to send him. Holy Spirit is to us, the church today, that Jesus was to the 12 disciples. This is what the Holy Spirit does. This, is, this, this whole package here in Ephesians 5 has this life that we are supposed to live as believers and followers of Jesus. It says this in Ephesians 5. So then, be careful how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't get drunk with wine in which there is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Notice what it says that, 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 that there's singing and melody in your heart. There, there's not just a, a melody in your heart person. Like, I'm, my melody just stays in my heart. Like, that's not a thing. So like you make melody in your heart and you sing because God gave you a voice. People don't want to hear my voice. He does. I'm not singing for you anyway. I'm singing for him. So I'm going to sing my hymns and spiritual songs and make melodies, even if those melodies don't make sense to musical understanding. <laughs> we sing, always giving thanks for these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to our God and the Father, and, the, and we subject ourselves 
to one another in the fear of the Lord. Ephesians 5, this life of a believer, all hinges around being filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I want to say this, that if that, that there is a possibility to miss out on what the Holy Spirit has, because we miss out if we say that we want Jesus, but not really want the Holy Spirit. We miss out if we say that we don't, that we just need Jesus, but we don't really need the Holy Spirit. We miss out if, if all that we say is, I received the Holy Spirit at the time of conversion, and that's all I need. No, we need a daily filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We miss out, this is really important, if we label everything about the Holy Spirit as weird. We miss out on who the Holy Spirit actually is. And likewise, we miss out if we label what we don't understand about the Holy Spirit as wrong. Well, I don't understand that part of the Holy Spirit, so it's got to be wrong. No, not necessarily. Maybe God just wants to teach us something new, and we need to have the heart of a learner to hear and to learn what he's trying to teach us. My point is this. Yes, there's weird stuff, but if we write everything off, we will miss the beauty and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us be a people who don't miss out. I, for one, want to be a person who receives everything that the Holy Spirit has for me. In our last remaining minutes here this morning, I want to focus on this truth of the Holy Spirit, and that's this. The Holy Spirit is the breath of life. The breath of life. So many times when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we get stuck on tongues before we just receive his life. Like that is what grabs all of our mind and attention and we have to have that all figured out and our tongues for today, are they not for today? Do I speak in tongues? Do I not speak in tongues? Like, what is this? Do you speak in tongues? Are you speaking in tongues? Sounds like gibberish. What is this? <laughs> and we forget, I just need his life. We can get stuck on gifts or the gifts for today. Do I have the gifts? Do I get gifts as I go? Like, what does this all look like? And we forget his strengthening. All of these things are amazing benefits of the Holy Spirit, but let us not forget that the starting point of the Holy Spirit in our life is to breathe the breath of life into our spirits. We need the breath of life. Going back to Genesis 1, when it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water, the word spirit here is this Hebrew word ruach, ruach, and it simply means breath. The Hebrew word actually, it sounds like breath, ruach, breathing, life. This is what it was. Throughout the Bible, we see people that were then filled with the breath of life. Let me give you a couple of examples. God breathed life into Adam. When God formed Adam from the dust, it says this in Genesis 2, verse 7. Then the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of of life, and the man became a living person. That, that phrase, breath of life in Hebrew, that phrase is the same meaning as the Greek word ruach, or the Hebrew word ruach. It's the same thing. It's the breath of life that's there. Notice for Adam, I find this very interesting. Adam wasn't alive until he had the breath of life. Look at what it says. It says that he breathed life, and the man became a living person. For us, 
We need the breath of life in order to live this life that God's called us to. Otherwise, we're just faking it. Otherwise, we just try to come up with our own best versions of everything. But we miss out on the breath that is supposed to fill our lives, empowering us every single day. Jesus then breathed on the disciples and they received the Holy Spirit. I, I love this story in the Bible. And if there's, if there's, there, there's a bunch of stories in the Bible that just highlight the humor of Jesus. I think Jesus was absolutely hilarious, by the way. I think he was a practical, practical jokester. I think that he messed with his disciples so much. I, I just think he was hilarious. I mean, I think where else do we get humor from? You know, like God created humor, you know? So what happens? So, so Jesus dies. The disciples run away going, ah, everything Jesus told us isn't going to happen. And they go and they hide in an upper room, lock the doors, shut the windows, cower in the corner for their life. Jesus raises from the dead and comes to them and says, you know what I'm going to do? This is going to be awesome. My disciples are in that room and they're terrified out of their mind. So I'm going to go in through the wall. And so he does, appears. And then with the first thing he says, peace be with you. I mean, come on, this is funny. Jesus walking in, hey, you terrified people, peace be with you. You know, I just walked through a wall, you know. But then the very next verse in verse 22, it says this. After he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This word breathed is the Greek word pneuma. And it's the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word ruach. That's where it comes from. It's the breath of God. It's the life of God. And finally, this is the one that we all know so well, the breath of life, or the breath of God filled the apostles on the day of Pentecost. Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place and suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Pausing for a moment there. The Holy Spirit did not fill individuals before it filled the house. There is something about being connected to the body of Christ where God is going to pour out his spirit onto the church. It is so important for us in these last days to be connected to the rest of the body of Christ because this is where God wants to pour this out. And the tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves in the tongues, rested on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. The Spirit, the pneuma, the breath of God. What's the common denominator of everything I just shared? It's the breath of God. It's the breath, life of God. We need the breath and the life of God. I would even say this that Christianity is impossible without the breath of God. You cannot live as a Christian without the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. You can't actually even follow the Bible without the Holy Spirit. You know how I know? Jesus came and the words of life written in the Bible, he comes and gives it to you. He says, here, live according to this. Jesus, I can't. This is impossible. Exactly. Jabin Chavez, when he was talking about 
the Holy Spirit in one of his messages, he made this comment, and I think this is so good, that God won't give you a life where he is unnecessary. He won't call you to live a life and just say, figure it out, you can do this all on your own. No, he's gonna lead you into a life He's going to give you the word that the only way to live out what the word of God says is by actually being filled by the spirit of God to be able to do that. It's impossible otherwise. But we try a lot of times, don't we? We try to do all the right things. We try to to, to, to live according to all of the Bible, which is really hard. But we fail. We fall on our faces so many times. Why? First of all, we're not supposed to be perfect. Second of all, you're not designed just to carry it in your own weight. You need the Spirit of God to carry you, to move you. So if, if the Holy Spirit is the breath of God, this might seem like a no-brainer, but I'm going to say it anyway. We need to continually breathe the breath of God. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I'm 39 years old, going to be 40 in July. I wasn't going to bring that up. Great, thanks. Now I'm tired. Um, 39 years old. I didn't take one breath 39 years ago and go, I'm good. Took my breath. Now I'm good for my whole life. That doesn't work. You're a baby, you take a breath. Ah, Oh, that's it. Oh, no. You know, like... That's not happening. No, we need to be continually breathing in the breath of life. What this means to breathe, to continually breathe in the breath of life is that we have to continually do the things that actively invite him to fill us. I'm gonna say that some of these things and they're things that we've said a million times, but I'll say them again. We fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit. We position ourselves to be filled by the Holy Spirit. I'll say it that way through prayer. Position ourselves to say, Father, here I am. Holy Spirit, would you feel me again? I need you. Very simply, I need you. Would you come and would you fill my life once again? Through worship, positioning ourselves in a place of worship where we surrender who we are, we glorify God, and then we invite the Holy Spirit to come and to fill our lives. Through the word, (laughs) through the word. This is what 2 Timothy says about the Bible. It says that every word is God-breathed. God breathed. So if we want to receive the breath of life, we better be receiving it from the primary place that the breath of life resides, which is where? In the word of God. We cannot be Christians that say, yeah, I don't don't crack my Bible open very often, but man, I, I really just love the Holy Spirit to empower me. Sorry, that's not how it works. We need to be Christians who are in the word, receiving the word, receiving the breath that comes through it. These are the disciplines that help us to position ourselves because I'll tell you this, in our lives, there's a lot of stuff that distracts and gets in the way of it. I had one day this week that that, that God was just speaking to me about distractions. And so I was just sitting my morning devotions and writing down and he was like, you know, distractions are what's keeping you from being able to hear the voice of God. And I'm like, I'm not distracted. Oh, I needed to do that. I needed to, yeah, yeah, I'm not distracted. What were we talking about? You know, like it's that bad. Um, But there's so many distractions that pull us away from positioning ourselves to receive the Holy Spirit. We have to be a people that are aware of those and can move past them 
to receive the Holy Spirit. If we don't, if we decide to be Christians that don't need the power of the Holy Spirit and we just try to do it on our own, this is the result. We end up short-tempered. You do. Angry. Short-tempered because you try to just do it on your own strength. I don't know about you, but if I just go off of my own self, I can tend to get pretty pretty short-tempered. Anybody else want to raise their hand and go with me that you get short-tempered? Okay, awesome. If you're a parent, your hand should be up automatically. Just saying. Yep, mm-hmm, yep. Unless your kids are sitting next to you, then don't raise your hand. We get critical. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, we get critical about everybody and everything. Oh, they could have done that that, that way differently. Oh, I love what you're doing, but mm, I don't know about that. Did you see what that person did? That's a result of not living a spirit-filled life. Depression sinks in when we decide to live life without the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Just simply this one, exhaustion and burnout. Like if we, if we decide, you know what? I'm gonna live a life. I'm just gonna power through. I don't think I need the Holy Spirit for this. Oh my goodness. You're gonna get exhausted and burn out so fast, so fast. We need the continual breath of God into our lives. Let us be a people that are ready to receive from the Holy Spirit on a regular basis and receive his filling for what we're gonna do that day. And, and, and by the way, this is really practical, really practical. I personally see this with my kids all the time. I have to have the Holy Spirit if I'm gonna treat my kids the way that I need to do that. I lose my temper, I lose my patience, I get so frustrated at them if I don't have the Holy Spirit. It's not like I'm sitting there getting a prophetic download every day. It's just I'm nice to my kids. I'm nice to my wife. You talk to Ellie, she can tell you when I've had a really good time with the Lord in the morning or not. It's real simple, right? This is what we need the Holy Spirit for, is to be able to live this out. The breath of God, I'm getting ready to conclude. Christy, you can come up. The breath of God, because then I'll sound really spiritual, talking about the Holy Spirit with keys. The breath of God transforms and empowers us. It transforms and it empowers us. Now, here's why this is important, okay? And I'm gonna finish with this. There are two spirits that are at war today. There are two spirits that are at war. The first of these is the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear that runs rampant to destroy and to tear down the people of God. It's everywhere. Fear permeates every single thing that we see every single day. You might wake up and like be at a place of peace and just oh, feel so good. And then you just open the news. Yeah! And fear grips your heart, right? Social media, any of these things, right? Fear is everywhere. There's a spirit of fear. Listen to what Luke 21 says, talking about the end times. Out of the passion paraphrase, it says this. Expect, in the end times, expect to witness amazing and perplexing signs with the sun, the moon, and the stars. The raging of the seas will bring desperation and turmoil to many nations. Earthquakes will bring panic and disaster. And then get this. 
What men see coming to the earth will cause the fear of doom to grip their hearts. For they will even see the powers of the heavenly realm shaken. You think about the end times, and I don't know about you, but there are some portions of Revelation that I read, and I'm like, oh, oh boy, oh boy. Now, there's a holy reverence for God, and I'm not talking about that. There's a holy reverence for God, which is good. But there's a spirit of fear that the enemy is trying to use in God's people to tear them down. You might have witnessed it in your life, things that happen, whole series of things that happen. I was texting with people over the last few weeks with the, the snow and all of the things, and Scott and I were texting one day, and he, he was like, this happened, and 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 this happened. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, all of it happens at once. Why? I think the enemy uses moments like this to just pour on the fear, pour on the doubt, pour on the worry and the anxiety. He uses seasons like this to just pour this in, the spirit of fear. But the other spirit that is at war today is the spirit of God. The spirit of God. This is what brings life. This is what brings strength. 1 John 4 says this. I love this. 1 John 4. There is no fear in love. Well, who is love? God. You can read this like this. There is no fear in God. In the spirit of God, there is no fear. But the perfection of God, the perfection of the spirit of God does what? Drives out fear. Because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. <laughs> when we are filled with the spirit of God, it will drive out the spirit of fear. Like to the point where the spirit of fear doesn't even have an ability to hold on to us because the power of God and the power of the, the spirit of God in us drives those things out of our lives. What does the spirit of God bring? The spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. How many are you, of you are in for a sound mind? Just a stable mind. Not to be thrown here and there because of all the things taking part in the world, right? A sound mind, a solid mind. The Holy Spirit also does this. It's the spirit of wisdom and understanding. How many of you could use some wisdom in your life? Some understanding in your life. The Holy Spirit also does this. He is the spirit of comfort advocacy and help oh my goodness how many of you could use some comfort <laughs> how many of you could use some help spirit of God comes to bring those things to your life how do we know if we are being filled with the Holy Spirit we start to see power love sound mind wisdom understanding comfort advocacy help all evident in our lives because those things I just read are impossible on our own how many of you have ever woken up in the morning and said today doggone it I'm gonna have a sound mind 
How'd that go? Not well. We need the Spirit of God to do those things. When we start to see those things evident in our life, it's the sign that the Holy Spirit is filling us.